0: Namaste and blessings. The Swami welcomes you with great love and great respect from the heart of all. Welcome to Meditative Living with Swami Shivananda Giri. Today is the beginning of the end for the current series of the authoritative Guru Gita of His Holiness Mahamandela Parmahamza Paramahamsa Swarupananda Vishwaguru Maharaj of Los Angeles, California who is the guru of this Swami also thanks to Acharya Padma Najendra who handled all the translation of the original Sanskrit text of Guru Gita into the English translation utilized in this book? Now, there's a bit of a difference as we begin the final chapter. There are three chapters to the book. And today we begin the final one. Now, what what will be different and perhaps immediately noticeable to those following the series, um, there is very little of... Swami Anantanandagiri's commentary in this chapter. So, when and where this Swami feels necessary, there will be commentary offered. But in the book itself, there's relatively little compared to the prior two chapters. So, we may burn through this, Final chapter relatively quickly. Now, what is the Guru Gita? Well, the Guru Gita is an ancient text presenting a conversation between Lord Shiva and his wife Parvati in which she witnessed Shiva teaching yoga and various aspects, practices, methods to a group called the Rishis, the seven first teachers to humanity on this particular planet. And she witnessed this and was puzzled because Shiva had already brought her to the enlightened and liberated state, realizing, recognizing the big S self prior to this, witnessing of his discourse with the Rishi. And he was going into great details and numbers of things that had never been discussed with her because it was not necessary for her. See, this is one of the things that one, following this inward path, uh, needs to come to realize is that from the guru point of view, there isn't really a set curriculum, you know, like a like a school course of cover this, then this, then this, then this. Give this exercise. No, it's no. It's not like that. There are aspects in general, but the instruction to each individual is distinct and may be presented in differing ways depending on who is receiving the information. So Parvati had asked Shiva so how does a regular human who is not self-realized become like you how is this how is this transmitted how is this done well, no one had asked him that specific question before. <laughs> and he was delighted for the opportunity to explain the guru principle. Keep in mind, the word guru is more denoting a function than a title. Guru refers to the knowledge that removes ignorance or the light that removes darkness. Those are the proper contexts to understand the word guru. It is not the pejorative term which one will most likely hear utilized in today's society. This was something greatly valued, and there wasn't a downside to it. Now, in our current society, due to the apparently improper actions taken by those functioning under the title of Guru, there is this perception of the Guru as abusive, manipulative, and just a negative. Okay. Now, we do not use that sort of approach, although we certainly recognize there have been those who (laughs) brought this perception about. But today, let us go into chapter three. We're going to run through... From Shloka 236 to 253, with only this Swami's commentary in between and perhaps the whole way through. We shall see. Shiva said to Parvati, O oh, greatest among women, auspicious one." I will tell you the places at which it is desirable to perform this japa. Stepping away from the text for a moment, keep in mind, japa means the repetition of mantra. This entire Guru Gita is a mantra in and of itself. Shiva says. Now here, this is where we're going into the uh, the exact directions for esoteric, meaning only occulted or hidden things that are passed along through diksha or initiation from one who is initiated into the understanding and has mastered it to one who has not yet. But these things are generally not presented to the general public. Anyway, Shiva says, By the side of the ocean, a river or any body of water, in a temple of Shiva, Vishnu or that of the goddess in all temples in a cow shed under a banyan tree or in a thicket under a gooseberry tree or in a garden of Tulsi plants failing bees any clean place is an appropriate location to perform this japa, which should always be performed with a pure and silent mind after one's daily obligatory duties. By this japa, one will attain victory. This japa will bear the fruit of success. One should renounce all negative actions and abandon all forbidden places. One can perform this japa on cremation grounds or under a banyan tree, a chestnut tree, or a mango tree. It is stated that a yellow seat is to be used to attract a black seat to enchant, a red seat for subjugation, and a white seat to attain peace. By doing Japa on a forbidden seat, one will attain the fruits of forbidden action. If japa is performed while traveling or while at war, one will attain success. If one repeats the Guru Gita on one's deathbed, it will bestow liberation. All actions of the devotee of a guru will bear fruit. There is no doubt about this. Whoever performs the japa of the guru mantra always, his actions will bear fruit, not otherwise. This is especially true of the disciple who has received initiation by the Guru. The knowers of truth, with a capital T, hold that by always bathing in the waters of the Guru Gita, one will destroy the eightfold attachments and the cause of samsara. Samsara means being stuck on the wheel of birth and death over and over and over and over until you attain both enlightenment and liberation. Continuing with the text. Shiva says to Parvati, He or she alone is the true guru who can distinguish between the true and the false, and who is the knower of Brahman. Stepping away, identifying what Brahman refers to, the nameless, formless source that from which all arises and that to which all returns. World cycle after world cycle after world cycle. Back to the text. All his places, or her, speaking of the Satguru, the true guru, who has the potential for transmitting the greatest effect possible from a knower to one who does not yet know. All places, those they have touched, visited, where they have dwelt, etc., are sacred. There is no doubt about this. Wherever the true guru resides, everything becomes pure and sacred. In the abode of the Guru, all of the gods can be found roaming about. Whether sitting or moving from one place to another, whether riding a horse or an elephant, whether asleep or awake, one attains divine knowledge by the mere sight or touch of a jnani who, purified by wisdom, is reciting the Guru Gita. Just as water becomes one with the ocean, just as milk becomes one with milk when the contents of two separate vessels are combined... And just as the space within one pot is exactly the same as the space found within a completely different pot, so too is the Atman, one with the Paramatman. Stepping away for a moment, Atman is the individuated Paramatman is the universal. Understand those terms in that way. Back to the text. Likewise, a man of knowledge, a jnani, enjoys constant union with the supreme day and night in this way. The one of knowledge always abides in the supreme state. Therefore, one should practice devotion to the Guru by every means available. One becomes liberated by pleasing the Guru, by the Guru's grace, enjoyment of the Eightfold Powers will occur Swami Anantananda's commentary here Shiva's powers of omniscience and omnipotence which the yogi acquires by becoming identified with him or merging with that is popularly described in terms of eight specific powers or abilities. The eight Siddhis S-I-D-D-H-I These eight are one Anima meaning Reducing one's body even to the size of an atom. Number two, Mahima, expanding one's body to an infinitely large size. Three, Garima, becoming infinitely heavy. Four, Lagima, becoming almost weightless. Five, prapti, having unrestricted access to all places. Six, prakamya, realizing whatever one desires. Seven, Ishtva possessing absolute lordship. And number eight, Vastva, the power to subjugate all. Serving a guru to his or her satisfaction is the way that this absorption or samadhi comes about. Now, kindly allow this Swami to expand here on the subject of Siddhi's. The only perfect way to begin understanding such things is to not seek them. For the purposes of gain, manipulation, or any of those. The perfect way is that they simply happen. When they just happen without any thought of the individuated mind prior to their appearance. That is perfect. For whatever reason, a use for that specific ability, power, however you would like to define it, it has become useful in some way in divine will. It is not the egoic, individuated mind seeking to utilize such a thing for any egoic purpose it simply happens and this is very natural it is somewhat indicative of a certain section of training completed and let's let's quickly discuss Uh, a bit more about these certain cities. Please do not take the literal meaning of reducing one's body even to the size of an atom, expanding one's body to an infinitely large size, the body being spoken of here is not the physical body. It is something else. It is doable, it does happen. But we we run a risk of falling from a growing and purifying state. When we seek to utilize such things in an egoic way, in order to get something, anything. Now, once one is liberated, well, then they're free to do as they wish. What changes is they wish to do almost nothing. Because they see quite clearly the seamless holographic monism we are all appearing to individually participate in, which we call the world at any level, on any planet, in any universe, astral, physical. Causal, supracausal, none of that matter. All of those things are only perceivable from the limited state. The completed state has no use for any of those because it is the source it comes from and the source to which it returns. And these things are sort of a way to be tested at a higher level. These new situations become possible, so the individual student becomes tested. Will they seek? to utilize these powers in some way not appropriate or will they ignore them and be just as surprised at their occurrence as anyone who may be witnessing it happen. That's the correct way to keep yourself out (laughs) of getting in trouble with these things there are many many stories of disciples who in acquiring such things have gotten themselves in quite a bit of trouble with them because they misused them And the guru has to take them away for a time in order to provide a lesson. And that's, that's pretty common to those who are actually having this happen. And it's not just an idea, a theory, a whatever, you know, I mean, when this is actually happening, it's, it's. It's quite tempting. And that's something we have to be on guard about. The Lagima, this is what allows one to walk on water. Prapti, this is like we can compare it to today's understanding. Of remote viewing. It can be understood in that way, having unrestricted access to all places. And the power to subjugate all. This is something that one has to really. Avoid utilizing and simply, if it takes place, fine. And if it doesn't take place, that too is fine. You really have to come into a point of view where there is no longer an either or. It simply becomes both and more. That's the correct understanding. That's the correct position to hold and the way that will cause the fewest problems. Sonic, let's go ahead and do the bottom of the hour song. We will continue the authoritative Guru Gita after this. She Namaste and blessings. Welcome back to the authoritative Guru Gita series, episode number 20, at the beginning of the end, chapter three. First, let us thank our good friend, partner, and facilitator of all things, Type 1 radio, sonic over there in Brighton, England, the one who makes all the buttons go where they need to go and all the sounds and everything else. Thank you ever so much for this service to humanity. Returning, verse 254. Shiva says to Parvati, the jnani or knower with the still mind attains equanimity in all the three worlds and enjoys bliss. Chanting of the Guru Gita fulfills the desires of everyone. What I have said here is true. This is true. This is true. This is the truth. This is the truth. Indeed, it is the truth that these verses of the Guru Gita as stated by me are the very core of dharma there is nothing equal to the supreme guru principle the guru is god the guru is righteousness faith in the guru is the highest penance or tapas there is nothing greater than the guru I repeat this three times. Now, understand in this particular context both aspects of guru are being addressed. The limited personal living human and the universal impersonal Source and all effects, conditions associated in any way. This one not only has the jnana, the complete knowledge, but is tasked with assisting others to also share in that. That is the whole point of yoga. Remember, yoga only means union. The individuated and the universal. Seemingly separate, but existing simultaneously. And the universal is not affected in any way, shape, or form by any action taken by the individual. Not in the least bit. There is no big bearded sky daddy sitting on a throne up in the clouds. No, 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 no. When we speak of God with a capital G, we are speaking of Brahman. The nameless, formless, undifferentiated source to all. And that, with a capital T, to which all eventually returns. Now see what happens when a practitioner first, directly, consciously merges with the nameless, formless one. This (laughs) is a red-letter day that the practitioner will focus on and seek to remember constantly constantly in wakefulness in dreaming And, however it works, (laughs) in deep sleep, there is more, always more. Construct any potential limitation, no matter how big or small, there's more. There's just limits to what? the individuated mind can fully comprehend. Returning to the text, Shiva says to Parvati, O Devi, Devi means goddess, blessed is one's mother, blessed is the father, Blessed is the family or clan, and blessed is the earth where there is devotion to Guru. O goddess, just by pleasing the Guru, all the sacrificial rites, austerities, and penances performed through tens of millions of births over many world cycles will become fruitful. One's body, sense organs, vital air or prana, wealth, family and relatives, mother's clan and father's clan are in the guru only. There is no doubt about this. They are the unfortunate, the weak. And those who fail to make use of an opportunity, they suffer terrible hells who do not serve Guru. Education, wealth, strength, and fortune are useless to those who are without. Guru's grace. Without this, one inevitably must fall down. This holds true even for Lords Brahma, Vishnu, and Rudra, and for all of the various deities and celestial beings. Guru Bhava or constant thought of the Guru is the supreme sacred water. All others are useless. All sacred waters are found only at the lotus feet of Sri Guru. My dear Devi, those who indulge in other women, but Averse to their own wives are fools. I am revealing this Guru Gita to you by which even such fools may learn to behave better. O Parvati, the worth of this which has been revealed to you will not be immediately apparent. This should be kept a secret. I have revealed this in order to please you. Swami Anantananda's commentary. Shiva repeatedly emphasizes the need for Parvati to keep this teaching a secret. This is the most esoteric of doctrines. Esoteric just meaning inwards. Parvati is the goddess, the totality of Shiva's powers in action. See, Shiva is the stillness, the silence. Any action carried out is through Shakti appearing separate yet equal does that make sense? Parvati is all the powers Shiva is the stillness From which they come, to which they return, but embodied and knowingly taking on limitation for the benefit of others, to assist them. He tells her to keep it a secret from all people exhibiting certain characteristics. He tells her to keep it a secret from the gods and even her sons, Kartikeya and Ganesh, if they don't meet certain criteria. If we care to look, we can find ample evidence that she carried out this decree without fail. We need not worry about it. In her form as Shiva's power of concealment, she obscures the true nature of reality masterfully. When a soul is deemed ripe for realization based on criteria ultimately known only to the supreme Shiva Shakti, There is no stopping that outcome either. The great 19th century saint, Ramakrishna, said more than once, quoting Ramakrishna here, I have seen a whore drowning in the Ganges retain consciousness to the end. Secrecy is self-sealing. The divinity of everything that exists is considered to be self-evident by the wise. What other proof could one require? Yet, when the unripe encounter such proof, the truth is not rightly understood. Thus, it isn't so much that these words must be kept under lock and key by any individual. Shakti will attract those who are to hear these words and repel those who are not to hear them like oil repels water. Even if one should hear this entire narration, delusion, a manifestation of Parvati as Shakti will cause that one to reject it. Shiva tells the goddess that even she won't really get it at first. So, those who are fortunate enough to be attracted to this liberating teaching should nurture the affinity with repeated exposure and contemplation. Kindly allow this Swami to expand. Successive meditation is the goal. Remaining focused with great vigor, with perfect attention within awareness of the self of what gives rise to consciousness as consciousness is revealed by consciousness to consciousness (laughs) (laughs) it is all the sport of the divine a puppet show shadows and light a play of consciousness. You are not now, you have never been, nor can you ever be away from the source. Mm-mm. Now, your attention can be far away. Every bit of awareness can be misdirected because this limited individuated state gives rise to all the distractions that may be evident to all of the senses, to the mind itself, which is not a physical organ, but is limited in knowledge until the merger with the one proceeding, existent during <laughs> and never ending infinity seeking eternity through the agency. Of same thing, just different. For a time within space. The details, the attributes, the qualities of the goal are ineffable. Indescribable. Because even speaking one word Places limitation on the unlimited. Because saying it is this means it is not that within duality. We must, with great vigor and hard work, move our attention of awareness to the point where doubts and confusions have no room to exist. That's the goal. That's liberation. Did you note? Shiva spoke of tens of millions of births. Have you ever considered the possibility of that? Even even those who accept the concept of reincarnation, you just can't think that big. <laughs> A number, tens of millions. We are greatly blessed That we do not remember all of that. There's a reason for the concealment within the game, within existence, as an individuated unit of consciousness. It is not, the limitation is not eternal, it's for a time within space while the game is occurring. If Sonic and Niswami were to sit down to play a game of chess, checkers, cards, anything else. Whatever the mechanism of the gaming might be. The chessboard, the chess pieces. The checkerboard, the ch- checker pieces. The cards. All of that is Maya. Illusory. Not unreal, not unreal, only transient. It cannot last forever, impossible, and only distracting during our focus in that direction into The multiple. When we can effectively and directly perceive, which is not a sensory thing. It's more of an intuiting. Bing! The light goes on. That sort of thing. That's how it works. It isn't carried by any particular experience of vision, hearing, feeling, energetics. Nope, 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 nope. All those are lesser. All of those are lesser. And the one caught up in that is the individuated unit seeking to move beyond into... Merger with absolute, with supreme, with divine, from which all possibilities, probabilities, and realities has come, to which they all return over and over and over in such vast amounts of time within space the human mind can't grapp can't grapple with that cannot be wrapped around it because it is limited in its nature so you must transcend and at first glimpses of the possibility of this being a very real being come along and may be perceived in any number of ways, all having usefulness to the one in the limited state. There is no one experience That unlocks it all. It is moving beyond the possibility to experience. And that then is like the greatest draw possible for the mind. What was that? (laughs) With a capital T. That was amazing. How, why, who, uh, (laughs) ah, you know. It's just wonder beyond wonder beyond awe. Bliss beyond bliss. Unending, just so we seek more of that. (laughs) Even just from the glimpses. But often we get sidetracked and, you know, thinking through the individuated mind and seeking this, that, or some other thing. But that's part of the process. That's how the game is played. To expect otherwise would be like expecting Sonic and Miss Swami to play chess and never move the pieces. Well, then there's no game, is there? This is big stuff. The biggest possible. There is nothing equal to what this Swami is simply (laughs) trying to point toward because the description is impossible. Anything capable of being communicated through words and syllables but a shadow of the real. Thank you ever so much for joining the Swami today on this path in the exploration of the text of the authoritative Guru Gita. We will see you again in a week or so as we continue here on meditative living. Namaste. Namaste. Om Namo Narayana.